inspiration, success stories, expert advice, strategies, new ideas, and amazing conversations. Everything you need to become a great speaker. This is Oscar Santolaya, and welcome to Time to Shine. Hello, and thanks for joining today, which is going to be the last interview, last episode of this year, 2019. We are getting ready for the next year, 2020, and the next decade. So I'm really glad to have um, one more guest. We're going to discuss about creativity. And my guest today is Vasi Juntalas. For over 20 years, Vasi has innovatively engaged groups as a speaker, transformational workshop facilitator, and intuitive leadership coach. She inspires entrepreneurs and other visionary leaders to think differently so they can navigate changing times with greater ease, calm, and momentum. Also an artist, she believes everyone is creative once they befriend their inner critic and embrace their inner child. She has guided hundreds of people in amplifying their intuition, creativity, and vision using an innovative process that she pioneered. With a background in experiential learning and whole systems design, Vasi engaged the mind, body, and heart of her audiences so they can align with a greater vision for their life and business. Hello, Vasi. Hello, Oscar. Great talking with you, Vasi. Yes, I'm glad to be with you here today. Nice. And yeah, I would like to hear uh, from you. How was your journey to become a professional speaker? Well, you know, it started um, in a little bit of an odd way, which was I was two years into my first job out of college. I was about 23. And the CEO of the company came to me and said, can I speak at an event that night for high school students? Mm -hmm. And he couldn't make it. And he had asked everyone in the company, (laughs) it was a small company, and no one else could make it. And I was kind of like the last, you know, the last person he asked. Mm -hmm. And I went, if I had no fear, but it was an absolutely terrifying experience speaking to probably about 70 high school students because I wasn't prepared. Mm. And it was really a good lesson in knowing my audience and knowing mm. what people need and what what I need to bring and prepare. And it was years later, I had my own business and I was asked to speak at client events and to professional groups. And I began to, you know, use a lot of what I had done in my business, which was facilitating groups and teams and workshops. And rather than memorizing things, I used my background as a workshop facilitator. Mm-hmm. And I really interacted with my audience and I used experiential learning and different things like that. So people could take what I was talking about and really put it into action when they leave. Because it's really important for me that people leave my talks, not just inspired, but also mm-hmm. using what they learn, you know, to take back to their day-to-day lives. So even though I started <laughs> in a way that, um, you know, I wasn't intending to be a speaker as the years went on, I found it was extremely fulfilling and I had to let go of my nervousness at first. And I didn't see myself as a speaker. And I was very much a perfectionist. Mm -hmm. And to really enjoy and, you know, ended up speaking to 
people and businesses, nonprofits, you know, and even a couple of years ago, I did speak to a high school student group again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's come full circle over the years. And um, there's a lot more than that, but that just kind of gives you a little, a little bit about my journey over the last 20 years. Yeah, it's always it's funny when I ask uh, uh, what was well, I didn't ask you particularly what was your first experience, but it is often it's funny what completely unplanned. <laughs> uh, it's completely unplanned, and, and well, and then you you by being a workshop facilitator, you gradually came to this very connected activity that is uh, speaking as a well, as a speaker in 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 front of an audience. You mentioned yeah. um, experiential learning, and that's something I think some other um, guests here have mentioned. But tell me more. I don't know too much about it, so I would really like to know more. Sure. It's learning through doing. So it's about mm-hmm. giving your listeners a firsthand experience and having them really reflect on what they're learning, and then they walk away and take action based on their experience. Mm-hmm. And this is important because, you know, as we know, a lot of speaking in the past has just been to give information to people. And it's very much most of our schools are set up that way. It's very Mm, passive. You just sit and you listen. But then how do you integrate that? How do you take it and actually do something different, you know, with what you've learned and, and make it real and make it relevant for you? So experiential learning is about having an experience with what you're learning about and then really reflecting on it. So what does that mean for you? And then what ideas does that give you, right? And then how to take it back into your life. So for example, you know, I integrate that within my presentations. A lot of other speakers do as well. But I did a talk last month and it was about really using creativity for entrepreneurs. And so I actually tell them, start with a story. That's a way for people to get more of a like tangible experience of the topic. And then have them reflect. I often use journaling. There's a lot of creative methods you Uh can use, but have them reflect on, well, what does that mean for you? You know, I've told you my story, but you know, what is, how do you relate to that? What does that topic mean? And then that opens your mind up to bigger ideas about how someone might use, in this case, creativity as, as an entrepreneur. And I had them actually draw symbols. And then this, the, the final piece is, you know, how do you think you might use what you learned today? And so they took that symbols and I gave them some ideas. I said, you know, you're going to put this up when you're done. You've come up with, you know, an action item that you're going to do back in your businesses, how you're going to bring creativity in. And the amazing thing, Oscar, was mm-hmm. that about a month later, I saw one of the people there that had been in my talk. And she said, you know, Vatsi, I don't even put that symbol up. I just bring it to my mind Mm -hmm. and I immediately know what I'm going to do differently. That symbolized for me like openness and ease. And she says, no matter what I'm doing, all of a sudden I'm able to have an easy solution. And, you know, it's the thing about experiential learning is that it really is like um, there's a saying like where the rubber meets the road. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, we can have all these good ideas and listen to a talk, but unless we go back to our lives and we're able to really use it, it's not as useful to us or relevant. And so that's, you know, an example of how I use experiential learning in talks and, and really how anyone can when you think about it in terms of learning through doing. Yeah, that's that's interesting that you mentioned using experiential learning in talks, right? Or in which yes. uh, 
we are not so but there's usually not time to to interact like make groups uh, often not uh, unlike uh, workshops how much time you spend on that so you give some instructions draw something like that and how much time you give them and in that case you know the talk was maybe you know a little over 30 minutes so there's some really quick things that you can do I, i know it it often sounds to people experiential takes time but here's a few tips I like to give people. Mm-hmm. One of the things is obviously questions <laughs> that you can ask someone. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to take answers from the audience, but you can invite them. So for example, you can say, okay, how might that relate to your experience? So for example, if you're teaching someone a communication technique, you might say, what might be some examples of how you might use them? Jot that down right now. <laughs> And so that's giving people a sense, all of a sudden now they're relating what you're teaching to their own experience. So they're more invested Mm -hmm. in it. Another thing I like to do is use visualization. So you might say, now imagine now that you took that communication technique into your job back on Monday. What would that look like for you? Mm -hmm. Jot down a few ideas of how you might use it. So that's that's also some, uh, some ways to use experiential learning is to have people actually doing something, writing, journaling, answer questionings for themselves. Now, obviously, you can facilitate that, you know, if you have a little bit of time in the Mm -hmm. group, and you're comfortable. But if you don't have time, just having them engage through writing, or thinking is really, really useful. Mm -hmm. And that might take uh, like one minute of in the talk. Yeah, it might take one might, it might even take 30 seconds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because you don't want people to get so much in their head that they're not using what I call your whole brain. <laughs> oh. So you, we've got you know our left side of our brain, which is very logical, and our right side of our brain, which is really imaginative and visionary. And so uh, that's another way to use creativity is to be sure that you're speaking to both parts of the hemisphere of the brain. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, they're, they're definitely very useful for um, for any speaker who wants to add this. Uh, the fact that the interaction and the fact that there's a takeaway and they already get something done, if you want to see it in that sense, after uh, they leave the uh, the audience leaves leaves the room. Yeah, and another another thing that I think is easy to do that you know your listeners, if they don't already do this, this might be helpful is I sometimes give out index cards at the end mm-hmm. um, and you know, ask them to reflect on what they're going to do differently. So that question I mentioned earlier, you know, what, w- what will you do differently yeah. or how will you use what you learned? That's a really great question. How will you use what you learned today? And have them jot that down on the index card. And then I encourage them to put that up somewhere where they're going to see it when they get home mm, or put it on your phone or take a picture of it, you know, and have mm. it, you know, as a screensaver on your phone. I've done that, you know, as well, because it's like out of sight, out of mind. We've heard that. And so someone can leave a presentation and be inspired, but are they going to do something differently? Yes. Are they going to be motivated to take action? And surprisingly, just that little index card or taking a picture of it on their phone mm-hmm. is going to help reinforce that. And that's the right side of our brain. That's the visual part. It's also the emotional part. So they'll also connect to how they felt, that inspiration they felt during the talk. So it also helps with that. Sure. 
Vasik, how do you define creativity? <laughs> It's a great question. I define creativity as imaginations and ideas. And I love what Einstein says about creativity. He says, creativity is intelligence having fun. Mm. So it's a different type of intelligence. It's possibility as opposed to innovation. And we hear a lot about innovation now in business. And innovation is putting creativity into action. So it's actually the implementation. So that's how I distinguish between creativity and innovation. So creativity is the idea and innovation is the implementation of that idea. And you, um, you have been using creativity because you are an artist, you said. How, so how you started? Yeah, that's a good point. So I was always creative and artistic, and mm -hmm. I put it away for many years. And it wasn't until about five years ago that I ran into my junior high school art, te art teacher, and he mentioned that he had kept one of my drawings mm -hmm. for all these years. And... Um, He asked what I was doing with my art, and it occurred to me that I was out of integrity with my work and a lot of what I speak about, <laughs> which is really about, you know, how to how to embrace the whole of who you are. And that was a part of me I hadn't really connected with in many years. So I began doing art again five years ago. I began integrating that into my talks, and it has been absolutely life-changing. And what I encourage people to do is to look at what creativity means to you. For me, it means I sit and I paint and I write poetry and I do multimedia paintings, but everyone's creative because creativity is not about being artistic or technically skilled. Mm -hmm. It's about using your imagination and your vision and your intuition. So we can't do that if we're being critical of ourselves and self-judgmental because we'll shut mm -hmm. that down. Mm -hmm. And so creativity... And being an artist for me, it spilled into my work because I never dreamt, you know, I'd be bringing crayons and colored pencils into my talks <laughs> and inviting people to use them and take notes if they're listening. So that's how those two parts of my life came together. And I find a lot of metaphors between how we, I call it letting go of the inner critic because when we do that we're able to whether it's with art or whether it's with speaking or whatever we're able to show up and serve more fully to whoever we're talking to whoever we're working with and um, art helps people do that <laughs> the way that i use it and so i just kind of give people a sense of creativity and where they may be limiting themselves where they may not be realizing it so it's it's been a lot of fun and i've seen a lot of breakthroughs with this And I never dreamt that that part of my life would spill over to my speaking. So I like to invite people to look at maybe what they're doing in other parts of their life and being creative about how they might bring that into their speaking as well. It might be very different for them. Sure, sure. So drawing was your, let's say, art, main art, artistic, the way you started doing artistic things. Yeah, it's more abstract painting. Okay. So what I do is I paint with objects. I don't use paintbrushes. So I paint with objects from nature. I paint with my fingers. Mm -hmm. um, also things like bubble wrap, different textures. <laughs> and I create abstract art from that. And a lot of times that art, when I look at it, it speaks to me. It, uh, even though it's abstract, I have certain ideas that come to me. And then mm -hmm. I'll write a poetry or I'll write a piece based on what I painted. 
So for me, that the creativity is both in the writing and in the painting. Mm -hmm. Yes, so I see, I see. And wh why creativity is important for speaking? Well, it's important for speaking because some people are a left brain dominant. I spoke earlier about the left hemisphere of brain where it's logical. Most of us spend mm. most of our time there analyzing and planning and thinking basically. And, but there's also people that are more right brain dominant that live in the world of imagination and, you know, future thinking and more um, conceptual abstract. So creativity is important in speaking because we need to speak to both those people, you know, that are left brain dominant. We need to help them open their mind also to different ideas and thinking. And then the creative people, we also need to speak to them to meet them where they're at. And so when you bring creativity into speaking, it engages people in a different way because we're not just talking to people's heads. We're also talking to their mm -hmm. hearts. And the right brain is where our emotions lie. So the creativity is the tapping into that piece of the right brain. And, and then people listen in a different way. They're interested. I mean, storytelling is a great example of this. When you tell a story, you know, in, in your speaking, you're painting a picture in people's mind. You're activating their right brain. It's very creative. And so people are invested differently uh, when you use creativity in your speaking. Mm-hmm. And you also mentioned earlier that one of the things you want when when you end your when you end your talk is that people take action, right? So, what mm -hmm. would you say um, if you have uh, some more more ideas uh, about in general how to so how people must speak to to inspire actions? What would be the the, the key elements, the key best practices? Would what would you say? Yeah, I think words that are evoke imagery. In other words, mm -hmm. words like I talked about earlier, painting a picture for people. And since we're mm -hmm. speaking, you know, we're using words, we're using images. So speaking in ways where we're using adjectives, <laughs> we're, because that's really speaking to the right side of our brain, that creativity. So words like um, I talked earlier about imagine, well, not just have them mm. imagine, but imagine if you were absolutely confident when you went to negotiate with your boss for a raise, for example, and how you were completely centered and clear and articulate. Mm -hmm. You know, in that case, and I'll use a recent example, I spoke to a group of graduate students and alumni, alumni who were coming together and the topic was on confidence in female leadership. And so when I was speaking to them, I used words that helped them imagine how that would feel in their body physically. Mm -hmm. So the example that I was just giving you, the words I was using was what that would feel like to be confident. So I'm painting a picture for them mm -hmm. physically, emotionally, and mentally, what they were thinking. And so I think, you know, one of the tips to do that is, is to hit on all those parts when you're using words. Are your words addressing someone's mental state, you know, feeling confident, for example? Is it addressing their emotional state? You know, you believe in yourself. Are you addressing their, what they're thinking? You know, I, I've got this. Are you thinking I've got this? So I think using words that address all those levels is, is really inspiring people to action. 
Is that answering your question, Oscar? Because yeah, I have a lot of other examples. Yeah, that's that's definitely a good one. The choice of words will make you think in in one direction, especially as you said, uh, using a very concrete adjectives that make that the audience's mind goes in that direction, in that uh, uh, in in that domain, right? So it's yeah, I agree that the the choice of words is already very very useful for this. Mm-hmm. I, and I think another way, you know, I mentioned questions earlier, and I think, you know, a really good question to ask people uh, when you're speaking with them, and you can just invite them to think about it for themselves is, is what would that look like to you? What would that look like to you? So in other words, if I was talking to them uh, with a story, you know, and I'm speaking to them to inspire them, a lot of times, we listen to that and we think, oh, I couldn't do that, Mm. (laughs) you know, the way the speaker is, or, and it's really important to bring that back to someone. And this is part of experiential learning too, Mm. and say, what would that look like to you Mm, to be confident as you have a conversation with your boss, you know, and what that does is allows people to take their brains in a different direction that they may have been before. And what's, I just want to kind of drop in here too, Oscar, that mm-hmm. experiential learning has been around for many, many years, I think in the seventies, but about seven years ago, they started when they were doing neuroscience research, they started mm-hmm. to find out that the way that our brains work, the way that we learn is it actually, our brain accesses a different part. We, I'm sorry, let me back up. We access different parts of our brain mm-hmm. through that experiential learning cycle. And right. that wasn't really known before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when we're reflecting on something, when we're asking people a question, like, what would that look like to you? That's actually using a different part of the brain mm-hmm. than when we're asking them, how might you use what you learned today? You know, and so it's four different parts of our brain are being activated when we're doing experiential learning. So for, as a speaker, when we're talking to people and we're, we're taking them through these questions and these words and asking them to visualize, I mean, can you imagine if we were to put, you know, electrodes on their brains? <laughs> we, would, we would be lighting up all these different parts of the brain, and then that is creating new neural pathways. So people are actually learning and integrating at a deeper level. So I just found that fascinating. I just wanted to mention that because that's, you know, something that I really feel informed, can really inform our speaking in new ways and really have people use what we're what they've been learning and um, what we're there to do really in our in our speaking yes so activating very different parts of the brain that's yeah definitely and the other is the the choice of words also evoking something that the the speaker particularly wants what would you say for any of us who wants to let's say be creative or keep being creative especially that no because you mm-hmm. might be creative once you build something you create something how you keep that uh, creativity uh, alive or active mhm well my best advice for keeping uh, your creativity flowing mm-hmm. is to embrace your inner child and you know what that means is you know, we all have that part of ourselves within us that's still a child and find out what helps you connect with your child, you know, your inner child. Uh, what's, what makes, I like to say, what makes your heart smile? <laughs> what is playful? What, what do you have fun? And if it's 
maybe you're not in a place to really know what that is yet. Spend time playing with or observing children because there's so much freedom and joy because they're in the moment. Mm-hmm. And when we play like a child, we connect to activities that um, make our hearts smile. We're very much in the moment. And to me, that's the best way to be creative. We're not in our, our heads. We're in our hearts. We're in our right and our left side of our brain. So that would be my advice. Yes. And usually there is one way for each person or different ways to, to, that, to do that, to connect with our inner child. So there is one way few ways for every person? I guess it's different for every person, right? It is different. You know, um, when I talk to people about this, I'm always surprised at the diversity, mm. you know? It could be anything from, oh, I, um, you know, love to pick up my guitar, you know? Or I used to do, when I was young, I used to walk in nature. It could even be something mm. like that. Or something that makes me really happy is singing. <laughs> The other day I was with a group of people for the holidays and, you know, we were doing a sing-along and it occurred to me, oh my gosh, I haven't sang in years, you know? (laughs) So there's a number of different ways that people connect with their inner child. Yeah, I can see different, different ways. (laughs) No (laughs) doubt. Fasi, could you now uh, share with us what is your favorite quotation? Oh, wow. I have a lot of favorites, but (laughs) uh, my current favorite is... um, Intuition tells the thinking mind where to go next. Intuition tells the thinking mind where to go next. Mm-hmm. And that was said by Jonas Salk, who is a, a, was a medical researcher and inventor of the polio vaccine. And um, it's my favorite quotation because in these times, we often lead with our thinking mind. And I love that the brilliant researcher and innovator says, start with your intuition. And that opens up, you know, a bigger bigger way of thinking and then your thinking mind serves the intuition hmm. yeah it's quite interesting to, to think about that yes what about uh, one book could you uh, recommend us one book that has been particularly inspiring influential for you yeah this is a book that came out this year it's called oh. um three word rebellion three word rebellion mm-hmm. and it's by dr michelle mazur and it's all about getting clarity on your unique message in just three words. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, we know as speakers, you know, being concise and compelling at the same time is so important. And I love what she says about when you get really clear on your one of a kind message that you're here, you know, to serve and make an impact in the world, then having that be your foundation to grow your business into a movement. So for those of the, the entrepreneurs that you know listen to your podcast, and actually really any anyone, it doesn't have to be an entrepreneur, mm-hmm. it's getting really clear on how you can distill what you're really about, what's really important to you, you know, what's your mission here, and into three words. And it's just fascinating. It's a very creative book and has a lot of exercises and visual. So it it speaks to both parts of our brain as well. Three word Three word rebellion. Okay, sounds sounds pretty interesting, and and I agree that the importance of that of that uh, stating your mission or main message in as short as three words. Have to check it out. <laughs> yes. <great>. And <laughs> and finally, could you share with us an an exercise, something that we can do regularly, a routine to shine. Yes. Um, and this is something I do every day. Mm-hmm. Um, so my advice 
is too practical, is to visualize success mm. for you as a speaker. Mm. So actually create that picture of what your body feels like when you're successful as a speaker, who your audience is, who you're speaking to, what you're thinking when you've complete the talk, you know, what you're saying to yourself. Because what happens is that, you know, I talked earlier about neuroscience research and the neural pathways in our brain is the more we visualize something, the more powerful those patterns become in our brain. And it's easier for our brain to tell our muscles to act. And so in other words, that creative part of our brain, when we're visualizing our success is, well, it will actually help us perform better, you know? So if you're visualizing yourself being energized and excited to speak and finding the right words and remembering what you wanted to say and having the right stories and examples, when you actually go to do it, that is, in a sense, becoming hardwired into your brain and into your muscles. So that's that's a really practical thing you can do every day. It doesn't have to take long. It can take 30 mm -hmm. seconds, a minute. It's just visualize what success looks like to you as a speaker, how it feels what it looks like all those different aspects be creative in doing that yes yeah be creative that's what you can do in many different ways every day in a different way <laughs> yes exactly and maybe your audiences are getting bigger or maybe mm. it's different audiences or you know exactly uh, yeah be have fun with that change it up every day <laughs> yeah such a great idea excellent yeah i, I like that exercise definitely Well, again, thanks a lot, uh, Vasi, for this interview. It was a pleasure talking with you. Please tell us how we can find you on the net. What are the best ways? Yes, people can find me on my website. It's Ignite Your Soul. And it's uh, Ignite, uh, I-G-N-I-T-E, Your, Y-O-U-R, and then Soul, S-O-L, IgniteYourSoul.com. Or they're welcome to reach out to me by email. And my email is vasi, V-A-S-I, at igniteyoursoul.com. Okay, thank you very much. Excellent. And I wish you a great next year. And all the best in spreading the word, spreading the word about creativity. So we all need it. Thank you so much, Oscar. And I wish you all the best as we go forward into a new year and to all your listeners as well. Thank you, Vasi. All the best. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Did you like it? Please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, or visit us at timetoshinepodcast.com. Until next time, 